This episode is brought to you by KPMG Risk Services. KPMG believes that when you've earned the trust of all your stakeholders, that's when your business has a solid platform to grow. That's the trusted imperative. KPMG Risk Services develop and put in place dynamic risk strategies designed to help your business earn that all-important trust. Go to read.kpmg.us slash trust to learn more. You're listening to the Power Prosperity Podcast. Hey guys, it's Randy Gage. I've written 11 books on prosperity and success so far, Uh, but this podcast, it's a way for me to connect with you on an audio platform. So I'm looking forward to sharing the prosperity journey together with you here. Hey, what's up podcast peeps? We're back for part two of extraterrestrial thinking. All right, so here's the deal guys. Uh, This is part two of a two and actually probably three part podcast series. Now, I'm trying to make this episode as self-contained as possible, if you just joined us along the podcast journey, but I would say this, uh, you probably, you, you, I think you'll understand everything, you know why we're going and where we're going and the reasons behind it as we go through these premises, uh, but I do think you'd get more out of it if you have already heard Extraterrestrial Thinking Part 1. So, choice is yours. Um, if you want to pause this and go back and, and hear that episode, it was about two episodes ago, or you just want to come through it this way, uh, totally up to you. So, where I'm going in this episode is I want to talk about this, um, this issue that, that we, we introduced in the earlier one. Um, and it was based on a, a question from one of the attendees at my tribal event, which was, how did you change your, your you actually, Randy, you actually changed your thought process. You were in jail as a teenager for armed robbery, and you turned your life around. Not many people do that. Most people, most, and it's true, it's not even, I don't think it's opinion. I think we could say it's, probably a pretty provable fact that most people who are in jail as a teenager for armed robbery or burglary, as I was, don't really turn their life around. Um, Probably the vast majority. And the reason would be the thought process that they have. I started off really poor, and I was poor for the first almost 35 years of my life. And I turned that around and became wealthy. You know what? Most people don't do that. I was a professional victim for the first 30 years of my life and turned that around to a victor mentality, turned around this uh, mindset, this default mindset, which was anytime somebody proposed something to me, it wouldn't work for me because I was too young, too old, didn't have the college education, was born in the wrong side of the tracks, didn't have enough money, you have to know people to make, to get ahead, you gotta have money to make money. Even if you ask me, you know, hey, let's go here for this festival, I was gonna tell you, no, there'll be nowhere to park. You know, it'll just be a hassle, we'll get, you know. It was just the default setting. 
And in almost every area of my life, I feel like I've changed that default setting and I changed it by the way, the thought process that I go through. And while I'm calling it extraterrestrial or, or alien thinking is because um, I think, and this is really, I don't, I don't want to insult anybody, but I need to say this. I really think to be healthy, happy, and prosperous on this planet, you can't think the way that most of the people on this planet think. Because most of the people on this planet are not healthy, happy, and prosperous. And so we don't want to model their thought process, yet that's what 99 or 100% of us do for most of our lives, right? Is that's just the way it's always been done. And this is, you know, there's these cultures and customs and habits and beliefs are set by our generations of our family and the legacy continues. So to break the chain, to reinvent and develop a new legacy is a is involves changing your thought process. So I've got eight elements that I want to explore with you on this one, and, and I'm probably going to just touch on the eighth one, and, and I want to make that, I think, a, another entire episode so we can really do it justice. Uh, so let's jump into these. The first one, if you've followed my work at all, you, you've heard it a million times from me, but it's so fundamental to what I'm discussing here for you to do this is you have to question the premise. And this has to be a knee-jerk reaction. This has to be a default setting. That anytime you're making a decision about something important to you, when the decision is presented to you, you've got to question the premise. Even if it, it just seems like there's absolutely no reason to ever question that. Um, because the, the levels of delusion, the levels of mental illness and, and delusion and narcissism and, and uh, infected with negative beliefs and being infected with negative limiting beliefs, I would call these all mental illnesses. And, and a, a huge amount of the population has them. Um, because of those, you could just think that this is such a slam dunk decision. This is such a, everybody knows this premise is true, so there's no reason to question it. I was having dinner last night in San Diego with a, a longtime dear friend of mine, and um, he would say these things, and then he'd say, that's just a fact. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not a fact. That's your opinion, right? So because I love him, I'm trying to uh, get in his grill and, and challenge him when he says things that I don't think he wants to affirm, that I don't think he wants to program in his subconscious mind. So he's on like a, um, a contract uh, employment scenario right now that, that ends in you know eight months or ten months or something. And he was talking about whatever he does next and how at, at this level it takes a very long time to get a job. He said, remember, it took me like a year to get this job. So at this level, it takes me a, you know, it takes a really long time to get a job. 
And I immediately jumped, please, let's not affirm that. I don't think you want to program that into your subconscious mind. It's like, well, that's just a fact. Look what happened here. Look at what it did. took me a year to get this job. You know, at this level, if he named what his position is and everything. And so to him, that was a fact. And I was, you know, I kept pushing back. No, that's not a fact. Because the fact is, there are people who, were, who are fired at Hollywood studio heads who make literally $60 million a year because they got a piece of the action. They get fired and they're hired a week later. There are people who quit at multi-billion dollar companies at the CFO level or CEO level or product manager level. And there's people who left Twitter and went to Lyft and Lyft just went public and now they're worth a fortune. And it took them 10 minutes to get that job, right? So my point to my friend was, you know, it may be true that in a lot of cases, it takes people a long time to do that, but that's not a fact. That's a belief you have. And it also happens to be a really limiting belief. So the example I talked about last week, growing up in Wisconsin, where 60 below wind chill factor, and people just kind of accept the premise, which is, oh, we have such beautiful summers here for three months, and then in the winter, you gotta slog through the snow and the sleet and the 60 below zero wind chill factors. And I just question that premise, like, Really? Why? If there are beautiful tropical island locales around the world, why couldn't I live there? And I questioned the premise and created my, a premise that worked for me and have even taken it to the nth degree because um, I love Miami and I've lived there for uh, decades, but it's too hot for me in the summertime. There's like four months where it's 98 degrees with 99% relative humidity. And uh, I say, you know what? In those months, I want to be in San Diego. And in January and February, it's too cold in San Diego for me. So I built my life on the premise that I will have an apartment in Miami and I'll have an apartment in San Diego. And I will be in each place when the weather is, uh, where the weather suits my clothes, as the old uh, Harry Nielsen song goes. Um, so that's, you know, when I started putting out my books and publishers would say, oh, this is the way to do it. Here's how to structure it. Here's how to market it. Here's the number of testimonials we put in the front. Here's the number of quotes we put on the dust jacket here. And I was like, wait a minute, stop, full stop. 98% of the books you publish are losing money. So why would I want to follow that broken model? When I got involved in direct selling, everybody was like, this is the way you do it. You know, you, you fake it till you make it and you hype and you rah-rah and you smoke in mirrors. And then one day there's people who make $25,000 a month. And I looked at that and said, well, there's like one half of 1% who make $25,000 a month. There's like, you know, 2% who make a livable income on it. There's like, 3% who make enough money to pay their, uh, their utilities bill. <laughs> I don't think that model works very well. We, we, why don't we reinvent that model and make it where the average person could make a livable income? And I did that and I've made millions of dollars in that business, right? But how did I do that? I questioned the premise. Second thing I want you to think about, 
possibility thinking. And I'm going to give all praise to the Reverend Robert Schuler, who had a book. I'm pretty sure that was the title of the book, Possibility Thinking. Um, but that was kind of his mantra, even if it wasn't the name of the book. And I remember in, in one of his books I was reading, and he had that dream to build the Crystal Cathedral. And, you know, let's, I don't remember the exact amount, but let's say it was a million dollars. And so everybody was like, how are you going to build it? mega temple edifice like this it's a million dollars and you know he breaks it down to possibility thinking and he says well so we need one person to give us a million dollars or we need two people to donate half a million dollars or four people to donate quarter of a million dollars or you know and he just followed the math so if that's a really important element is you you exercise possibility thinking uh, you know asking yourself um, if it was possible how could I do that third thing I'm going to suggest again I, I don't want to insult people but they could choose to be insulted by this because I'm going to say the third thing that I've done that helped me and I'm going to suggest for you is to is exposure to other extraterrestrials, <laughs> exposure to other aliens from other planets and other universes, right? In my case, um, I would suggest go look at my Twitter feed and look at who I follow, and know that you know. So you're going to figure out, okay, he's got some hobbies and some interests, right? He likes music, so he follows a lot of musicians. That's not what he's talking about. He's a big dance aficionado, so he follows choreographers like uh, Nappy Tabs and Travis Wall and Fiction and uh, dancers and people like that. And he's a baseball junkie, so he follows a lot of baseball people and some other sports people. But then you look at the, the thinkers that I follow. And Again, not to diminish them or insult them, because I adore them, and I, uh, you know, uh, I just want to emulate them. Elon Musk isn't is an alien, okay? He's not from this planet. Paul Graham is an alien. He just thinks differently. Patrick, uh, I think it's Collison. The, it's one of the brothers invented Stripe. Um, he just thinks differently. Bill Maher. Mao, the comedian, David Fromm, the newspaper journalist guy, Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, the atheist authors. These are people that don't think like most of the people on our planet. And I follow them and I want to see how they think. I want to see what they think about. And I think about what they think about. And I read and I could read something from David Fromm and be absolutely 100% disagree with it. And I'll read other stuff and say, that's the most brilliant thing I've read this month. And the same is true with Harris, Dawkins, any of these people. So don't, don't take this as, okay, this is Gage's endorsement that everything they say is right, everything they say is true, everything they say agrees with his political point of view and agrees with his values. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying these are people 
who think differently than most of the people on the planet. And so I like to give myself as much exposure to them as I can to, and that's why I follow them. I love Twitter. Twitter is to me the, the this is where you build your college course, your, your PhD program in enlightenment because there's so many amazing people, right? And you say, yeah, but Twitter's full of all the political hate and the, no it isn't. If you just unfollow those people who do that, and you curate your feed to be with the kind of thinkers you want to follow. So give yourself that exposure. Uh, the fourth thing is nurturing your curiosity. Um, critical thinking, uh, uh, lateral thinking, this come, innovative thinking, this comes from curiosity. So have hobbies, you know, I have a hobby. I, I study animals. I just, I love animals and I want to know everything about them. I'm fascinated by hurricanes and mother nature and earthquakes, even volcanoes. I'm like, these are such uh, powerful event, you know, uh, occurrences that man has no control over. And they, you know, you hear the expression force of nature. This is the literal definition of force of nature. So I'm fascinated by, you know, when I, I moved to Miami and experienced my first hurricane and 3 a.m. I'm hunkered down and I look out the window and I see the rain going sideways and trees, palm trees bent sideways. I had never experienced anything like that. So I've been fascinated with them for three decades, you know. Um, but that's my curiosity. And the internet, right? Again, you can... If you don't manage the internet, you, it just brings you a bunch of memes and and trolling and you know hate speech and drama and trauma. But if you manage your consumption, if you curate your consumption, it's wonderful for your curiosity. Um, the next thing I'm going to say is schedule thinking time. And I've talked about this before. It's in the Mad Genius book. But one of the things I do. Is, and today is actually the day I'm doing this. I'm doing it right after this podcast. I have 45 minutes blocked off in my schedule for thinking. Just thinking about what I think about. And I talked about this last week, one of the episodes, so I'm not going to dwell on it more here. Uh, the sixth thing I think is important is, uh, I, I, I'm going to label it exotic stimuli, but let's stimulus or stimuli. Um, but we could say diversity, exotic, um, just different. In other words, one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself, one of the greatest gifts you could give your children is to travel, right? When you go to different places and you just, I've been to about 70 countries, so I think that's a, a big reason I'm able to think differently, right? I opened up a business in in Croatia right after the Civil War, right? I, I um, when they were, uh, you know, coming away from uh, Serbia, breaking away. And um, so I was um, hired to uh, launch a cosmetic company there. So I get hired, we get the contract, we do it all, we launch the thing, and then the War of Independence goes on. And the government needs money to, you know, raise troops and tanks in it and they declare a 50% tax on cosmetics the week after we launch, right? And I'm doing launch meetings and I have people who 
who live two hours away who have to drive 18 hours because they've got to drive you know, so many hours out of the way uh, to avoid Serb-controlled territory. That's, ex that's, that's exotic stimulation, right? I was doing an event in, in Thailand during the red shirt protest when it all blew up and everything was burning downtown and um, they were declaring martial law and a curfew and I had an event that was supposed to go to five o'clock and I, I, sent my, I sent everybody home at like one o'clock or two o'clock and said, you know, I can't, I, I need to, I, I'm responsible for your safety. You know, I'm going to give you every, I'm going to skip the lunch break, I'm going to skip the morning break, I'm going to give you all this content before then, I'm going to send you some follow-up, and then I'm going to get you out of here and get you home, because I need you to be safe. And then I remember going to the airport and, you know, going through checkpoints with soldiers with machine guns, and my, my guide is, is, is crying, my country is burning, my country is burning, and we see the smoke coming, you know, downtown. Um, on the way to the airport. Um, and it's not all like that. A lot of it's frolicking on the beach and it's being in Croatia and going to Split and being in uh, Slovenia and going to Lake Bled, I think, and uh, uh, going to Phuket in Thailand and going to Belgium and, and Bruges and Brussels and Amsterdam and taking down the canal in Amsterdam and uh, you know, discovering Novosibirsk in Russia. Um, this is exotic stimuli, different cultures, different languages, different currencies, different everything. Um, and you say, well, I don't have the money. Okay, so Nat Geo Channel, that's BBC One, you know, that's your relief valve there. Because um, again, and then th this is where I would say that's the real purpose of the internet where you really can expand your horizons in so ways, in so many magical ways. And then the other thing I would say, you know, in that same thing, I lived in Costa Rica for a while. I lived in, uh, you know, in Australia for a while. Um, that was, that is and was magical, something I'm gonna uh, do more of in the however much time I have left. But it's like such a, a state change when you do a state change, that's where your, your thoughts are going through different neural pathways, and it really does change your process of thinking. So remember, so I get this apartment in Costa Rica and with a guy. We both, you know, we're sharing this apartment. So I say, okay, I need the address to give to my mother. So he's, he gives, you know, so she can send me mail or cards or, you know, whatever. So he gives me the address, and it says... Um, U.S. Embassy, um, and this is in Spanish, but I'll give it to you in English. So it's like U.S. Embassy, five streets east, left at the supermarket, two streets south, uh, whatever, four streets, whatever, um, third house on the right. I'm like, no, no, no. Okay, I don't know if this is, you know, trying to get someone direct, but I, but I need the address. I need the actual address of the house. It's like, there is no addresses here. Like, you can't tell me there's no addresses here. There's a, every place has addresses. It's like, no, we don't use them here. That, this is how you do it. So when you give somebody your address, you give them, you find a landmark. So it's the US Embassy is a landmark. 
the supermercado on, on the main avenue is a landmark. The, the palace is a landmark. The uh, Omni Hotel is a landmark, right? So you give a landmark and then you have how many streets, east, west, north, south, and I'm like, that's not possible. This is the 20th century, 21st century, whatever this, this, this you know. So I literally go to the neighbors, because first I say, well, well, just give me the name of the street. He says, I don't know the street. I, nobody knows the name of the street. I said, oh, come on. You know, there's people who have lived on this street for three generations. Of course they know the name of the street. And he said, no, nobody would know the name of the street. So. You know, I, I don't believe him. I, I go to the neighbors. You know, I find someone in the yard or I knock on their door. I, you know, uh, que es el nombre de la calle? You know? And they're like, yo no sé. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> and that really was the case. Well, you know how that, like, talk about stimuli. I mean, when you grow up and you live at, you know, 2200 Allied Drive, apartment number three, and you go to a scenario like that, you're thinking differently, right? All right, number seven, mental aerobics. I love to do sudokus, I love to do crosswords, I love to do brain teasers, I love to do Menza quizzes. Uh, you know, at 58 years old, I decided I'm going to get serious and I'm going to learn Spanish. I can't tell you how helpful that's been in terms of my creativity and my prosperity consciousness and all of that. So um, learning a language, um, all of these kind of things. Mental aerobics, in other words, you can exercise your brain just like you exercise your body. And you can, like you can build muscle mass and reduce fat, you can do a similar thing with your brain. You can, you can increase your concentration abilities. You can increase your mental acuity. You can improve your problem-solving skills. And yes, you actually can increase your intelligence. You can do that with, with mental exercises. I call them mental aerobics. And finally, number eight, which I'm not gonna go into detail on, which is divine dis content. I think, especially from a prosperity standpoint, that's what drove so many things for me is I had, and I call it divine because I think it's like spiritual. I think it is your higher self calling to you that you have a dis, you're discontented with the way things are. And so I was discontented living in a place where it was 60 below zero wind chill factor and I thought there would be a better way. I was discontented being poor and I wanted to become wealthy. I was discontented being sick and I wanted to become healthy. So that's one I want to do a whole episode on it. So uh, that's what, look for that next week. I'm going to do, it'll be another one of the, the bonus podcasts, either Wednesday or Saturday or whatever, uh, a podcast exclusive for you guys, um, where I'm going to talk about this divine discontent. All right, so last thing before you go, can I ask a favor again? I have a new book coming out in July. It's released July 23rd. It's not for everybody. A lot of you in this, uh, listening to this, it's not for you because 
It's a book on direct selling for that business I talked about that I've done so well in. So it's for people who are in direct selling company, uh, party plan companies, uh, doing e-commerce with these companies, uh, what, what used to be called network marketing. So the book is called Direct Selling Success, and I wrote it to clean up the profession, to update. I had written a book about this back in 96 was my first one, and I thought, you know, I, I need to create another book on this and talk about this profession of direct selling now with mobile apps and replicated websites and e-commerce and the different government regulations and how technology affects it and how social media affects it and how personal branding affects it. Because there's never been a book like that for people in that business. So the people you know are in Amway and Newskin and Herbalife and you know all of those, Mary Kay and Avon and all those direct selling companies. So if you're in one, grab the book. If you're not, would you do me a favor? And the people you know, right? it's called Direct Selling Success. And then the subtitle is uh, From Amway to Zombies. <laughs> because I'm talking about the MLM zombies, you know, the people who doing all that crap I was talking about earlier where they like, you just fake it till you make it and you hype and rah rah and wave around bonus checks and rent a Lamborghini for a day and take pictures and post it on Instagram like you own the Lambo. No, those are the zombies. We've got to kill the zombies and teach the people the right way to do the business so they can do it with integrity and they can be successful. So. If you know someone in Amway, if you know someone, your niece, your nephew, your friend, your neighbor, your brother-in-law, will you just tell them to go to killthemlmzombies.com? That's the website with like all the information about the book where they can pre-order it, you know, with Amazon or Barnes and Noble or their local bookstore or, you know, buy it in quantity or whatever. So do me a favor, would you? So the people you know in that, would you just tell them about that? So. I can uh, make sure that book launches with the, the bang that it deserves. Um, so, your homework. Thank you for that. Your homework is do some thinking about divine discontent. And then we're going to explore that deeper in an episode next week. Go on and have an amazing day. Peace. Hey, thanks for listening to the Power Prosperity Podcast. Do me a favor and practice the circulation law of prosperity and tell people about Prosperity TV. So if you would, just put something up on your Tumblr, your Twitter, your Facebook, your YouTube. Uh, let people know what you think of the Power of Prosperity podcast. Even take a screenshot of your phone and maybe post that picture uh, so we can build the community here at the podcast. Thanks, guys.